Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the honor of talking to Coach Jack Johnson, who is a retired Hall of Fame football coach from Pickerington, Ohio. And then later, he became part of Coach Jim Trestle's staff at Ohio State. I love the wisdom this man shares about how to connect with kids. But my favorite part is when he talks about only elevating your voice and praise when you're dealing with kids. We also asked him about his time at Ohio State and what that rivalry was actually like with Michigan behind the scenes in real life. Can't wait for you guys to hear this incredible conversation with Coach Jack Johnson. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Russell & Associates. This financial services firm in New Albany, Ohio, specializes in retirement planning and asset management. Check out their website at russellandcompany.com. There you can download your free copy of the Just In Case book that will help prepare you for your future. Thank you, Russell & Associates, for being a proud sponsor of Tell Us a Good Story. We have another sports person to talk to. Which it's, you know we both love. Yes, it's been a while. It has been. It has I'm been ready for this. Friends, our next guest has been one of Ohio's most prominent and successful high school football coaches. His coaching career spanned four decades at the high school level, in addition to three years on staff at the Ohio State University. And he even has a football stadium named after him. Which is so freaking cool. Ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to tell us a good story, Coach Jack Johnson. Welcome, Coach. Thank you for saying yes to us. Well, it's happy to be here. Thank you. Well, Steph, I can already tell you right now, this man, he's very private. He's very humble. (laughs) He's retired, probably wants to be left alone. And he was kind enough to, one, take my phone call. Well, how many phone calls did you make to make him I only only left one voicemail. That's good. And he returned it. And two, he accepted our invitation without... Probably really knowing anything about us. That's very kind. So, Coach, thank you for doing that. Now, have I told you how I got your contact information? I can't remember if I told you that. I think you said from uh, Larry Blackstone. Yes. So, let me fill in listeners here. So, an old high school football coach at Bloom Carroll. I never played for him, but he was a teacher of mine. And I've kept in contact with him all these years later. But I was talking to Coach Larry Blackstone a few weeks ago. And he gave me two names. He said, you need to talk to these two people. He said, they will be the best people you've ever spoken to. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like well, how, do, how can you say that, coach? You don't even know who we've talked to. He's like, who have you talked to? I'm like, uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. And Coach Blackson's like, never heard of him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I go, uh, Carrie Pierce. He's like, never heard of her either. I'm like, coach, she's the top CrossFit athlete in the United States. She's the first woman to get on the CrossFit platform and the CrossFit games. He's like, never heard of her. I'm like, okay, coach, I I don't need to continue this game with you. But he's like, I'm telling you, coach Jack Johnson, he's gonna be the best you've ever talked to. I'm like, okay, so no pressure, no pressure, coach. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I know them very well. Have all of my life. You know, he has a twin brother, Barry. Yes, Larry and Barry Blackstone, (laughs) and they are amazing, the funny stories that they have. So you've been on a coaching now for about 
what, eight years, I believe? Yeah, correct. What do you miss most about coaching and dealing with these teenagers? Well, I think I miss the closeness, become a part of the kids' lives. Some of these kids, yeah. they, they struggle with a home life, and they need somebody that makes them feel accepted, and I feel uh, very much part of their lives. So I miss that. I miss also Friday nights and game nights. I miss walking up and down the sideline and, and helping the kids uh, do the re- very best and be successful. Were you able to sleep Thursday night because you were so excited or were you able to sleep fine? But then Friday when you're supposed to be like in the classroom, you're like, okay, let's get to your game mind's time. racing. Yeah, it's let's like go Christmas. to game time. Let's go to game time. How were you? Well, I, I always told our kids that um, there's 84,000 seconds to get ready for a ball game. And if you take that time and prepare Everything should be done by Thursday. Uh, if you haven't got it in and haven't pr- practiced by Thursday, then it's not going to go in. So I had trouble sleeping all the way up until Thursday. But Thursday night, the day before ball game, I'm okay. And uh, so Friday night becomes uh, just a matter of a heart check to get the kids, get their heart ready to go. And I always thought that heart beats skill any day. And um, so I just want to make sure that the kids are mentally and physically ready to go. And that's it. All right. So you are in the locker room before it's time for the game to start. Are you talking to the kids how you are to us right now? Are you inspiring them? Are you encouraging? Yelling, fired up. Yeah. Are you yelling? Are you fired up? Are you in their faces to, you know, get them excited and pumped? How were you pre-game? Well, I, it, it's a little bit different. Um, we sometimes get fired up, but not too much. I just want to make the kids aware that uh, we just got to go out there and play our game and enjoy ourselves and play at our peak. And I just want to encourage them to just do their best. And um, I really didn't get too vocal before a ball game. We did get jacked up a little bit, but, but we never got too vocal for the ball game. Now, halftime, it depends on what's going on in the first half, how vocal we might get. <laughs> but we, might get we might get a little upset. When I was at High State with Jim Trussell, he always had a comment. He said, um, only elevate your voice in praise. I thought that was, mm. that was pretty good. Oh, that's good. We seem to elevate our voice a lot when somebody makes a mistake. We need to change that around. We need to lower our voice when somebody makes a mistake so that they can listen to the correction and elevate our voice in praise. When we start patting a kid on the back for something he has done very well, he'll do it again. If you kick him in the tail when he does something wrong, the reverse will happen. He now is afraid of making another mistake. And uh, usually that's what happens. Hey, Steph, Mm. I totally agree with what Coach just said. You need to write that down. You only (laughs) raise your voice. You elevate it when you're giving praise. Yes. (laughs) I try to tell that to my wife, too, and it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work at home? (laughs) No, no, no. Only on a football field. It doesn't work at home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Steph, you asked Coach about what his Fridays were like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. If I was a football coach, I would probably be the worst high school teacher 
on Fridays of game days. It would literally be video day video for day. every class I'm in. And I would just be going through the notes or watching film or just final preparation. Like, I would be terrible. Well, apparently you didn't have Coach Johnson because you have 84,000 yes. seconds to prepare. Pencils down. But Yeah. So you would not be on his staff, apparently. <laughs> Kevin, do you like to help your friends out? It depends. If our friends are asking me to help them move, then no, I absolutely do not <laughs> like to help my friends out. But what if your friend had a weekly radio show and podcast and just wanted you to tell someone about it? Yes, I could totally do that. That is much easier than me trying to carry a piano down into a basement, which has happened to me in the past, and you know who you are. <laughs> friends, we are not asking you to carry a piano for us, but if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. But regardless, thank you for listening. Coach, one thing that comes to mind when you were talking there, you're talking about kids and, and a little bit of their home life. We had spoken with Coach Jeff Hardings, who is the head coach at We're in the Christian. And we had a conversation with him last year. And he made a great point in regards to knowing who you're talking to, right? And he talked about transformational leadership as a coach. So he said, you've got to really look at a kid and you don't know what they're going through in their home life, whether it's the parents are going through a divorce or they've got an overbearing dad or a kid's going through verbal abuse at home, getting yelled at. So if a coach is yelling at him, guess what? It's not going to work because he's getting yelled at every day, all day at home. So how would you, I guess, connect with the kids so they would trust you? You know, that's been a, a big question that a lot of people have. Why do kids act the way they do? I do have a degree in counseling, and, and it always troubled me uh, about why kids absolutely act the way they do. And I came up with an acronym, ACT, to give me an idea why kids act the way they do. Kids will act the way they do because of who they associate with. We have a tendency to migrate to who we are rather than who we want to be. I can put 100 kids in, a, in the gymnasium and say, I will be back in 15 minutes. In that 15 minutes, the kids will automatically group up to who they are, not who they want to be. You will have all the athletes together. You sometimes will have all the boys together, all the girls together. You will also find all the kids that happen to be kind of rowdy, and, and they would always group up to who they are. So we act the way we do because who we associate with. The C stands for the circumstances they have gone through. We live in different environments, and kids are the product of their environments. Maybe they have gone through a divorce. Maybe they are an adopted child. Maybe they just done something wrong with the law. They have a circumstance that is unusual. So that plays a role in how they behave. And I think a coach has to understand that. When these kids walk out on the practice field, you don't know exactly what has gone on, not only in the classroom during the day, but also what's going on at home. And the T stands for their teachings, how they were taught at home. And we always told a kid, if he cusses on the field, I have him spell that word. And then he's got so many laps according to the word. So when they drop the bad word, 
they made it short. <laughs> but they might be using that language on a regular basis at home. So the previous teachings, right. nobody's ever taught them, you know, the proper words to use sometimes in certain situations. Yes. So you really need to look on the other side of some of the words and some of their actions to really find out what's going on in that kid's life. You got to touch the heart before you reach for the hand. And I always, always wanted our coaches to really listen deeply and watch closely to what the kids are doing and try to analyze why they're doing that. What's your favorite memory as a coach for high school oh. or one of them? Well, I do Bible study every week for the last 25, 30 years. And I carry with me a letter from one of my players back in the um, mid-70s. Okay. I had a young man move into our school district. His name was Kenny Howe. Kenny Howe was a senior, and uh, Kenny never played football before, but he wanted to play. Um, a kid that came into our school as a senior that's never played, I, I, I really never allowed them to play on the football team. But anyway, we allowed Kenny on the team. Kenny wasn't a very good football player, and he was out for about two weeks, and, and then all of a sudden, Kenny ran away from home. Mm. He was gone most of the season. In fact, they found him in Florida, and we only had about two more games left. And um, they brought him back, and Kenny came to me, and uh, he wanted to be back on the football team. And I said, Kenny, I said, you, you've been gone most of the season. You've never played the game much before. I just don't know. But I will take it in front of the football team and we'll find out. I prayed about this thing all night because it really troubled me. I, I didn't know why he left home. I didn't know why he ran away. I didn't know all the circumstances behind that. And every time I made a decision about how to discipline or whether or not we should have a kid on the team, I always shared it with the team. And the team was involved with some of the rules that we established. And the team voted no, just just no. But I said, let me tell you guys, there's something about this. I prayed about this thing all night. And there's something about we need to let Kenny on the football team. Hmm. So I said, this is a, one of the few times I will overrule you guys. And I, I said, we need to let Kenny on the team. So I let him on and Kenny didn't play. Uh, but in the last quarter of the last game, I put Kenny in. I put him on a kickoff team and, and of course he couldn't hurt anything and he didn't know what to do anyway. But I said, just run down and try to make a tackle. But he got in his <laughs> senior year. He got in his senior year. And after the season was over, Kenny moved away, never heard from him since, until about five years ago. Now, he has been gone since the mid-70s all the way up to almost my last season of coaching. I get this letter that I carry with me all the time. And Kenny, he says, I know that I should not have been put back on the team. And I know, Coach Johnson, you're the one who allowed me to play. And and it goes on about his success. He's got a business and he's got three kids. But the last sentence, he says, Coach, if, if you did not allow me back on that football team, I plan on running away and they would have never found me this time. 
He says, Coach, mm. you saved my life. <laughs> that letter I carry with me every time I go to Bible study. We don't know as a coach that we might say something or do something that impacts an individual's life forever. And I, I carry that letter with me all the time just to realize God has put me in a position that I could affect somebody's life forever. And I need to realize that responsibility. Wow. Oh, that was good, Coach. Coach, that is fantastic. And you're right. The, the responsibilities that coaches and mentors have, especially at a high school level and how influential you can be, I mean, that young man may not have had a father figure in his life. And so for you just to reach out to help him <laughs> was yeah, such an influence. But it's also interesting, right? Because I'm sure, Coach, you're stressed with work, coaching the team, being a family man. But just to still be present in these kids' lives and the impact you still made, like, I just, I love that. I love that. So, Coach, I know you're a very humble man, all right? But for guests, I like to brag on our guests with a list of fun facts. Fun facts. So Steph doesn't know any of this. Never. All right. This is just my research alone. And by the way, hands down, <laughs> you are the toughest person I have ever researched. <laughs> the reason being one, you're retired, right? So there's not a lot of current information on you. And two, do you know how many men have the name Jack Johnson? Oh, yes. <laughs> a lot of people in this world have had the name Jack Johnson. So researching you was not easy. But here we go. You ready for Let's this do stuff? It. Fun facts. Coach Johnson here, graduate of Liberty Union High School. Coach earned his bachelor's degree from West Virginia Westland University, where he was a three-sport athlete. Wow. And, and named All-American twice. What? In both football and baseball. Coach! Coach Johnson here spent 31 years head coach at Pickerington High School, winning 202 games, wow. which is now Pickerington Central mm -hmm. since they split. Before he retired in 2002, Coach served three years on the football staff at The Ohio State University with Coach Jim Tressel. So cool. And Coach Tressel actually referenced and quoted Coach Johnson in his book titled The Winner's Manual. Oh! Oh, that's cool. What was the phone call like when Tressel asked you to be on staff with him? Well, that was kind of a story. It, it goes back to 2000, and we were a pretty good football team. And we were in the semifinals playing St. Ignatius, and we lost. So I got back, and about three weeks after we got back, I get a phone call from Tressel, and he says, I want you to speak at the state clinic. And the only way you get to the high state football clinic is you got to win a state title. I said, coach, I didn't win a state title. I said, St. Ignatius won that state title. He says, I want you to speak. And I, I couldn't believe it. And then he told me a, a week after that, when I was going to speak, I am going to speak right after Earl Bruce and right before Jim Trussell. <laughs> right in between those two guys oh my gosh wow. oh i know i know there's 1500 coaches there and when i spoke jim trussell is sitting right in front of me he's going to speak next and he's taking notes wow about what i'm talking about after that speech he says you're going to be a buckeye 
Now, this was in 2000. And uh, I told the school that I was going to retire in 2000, but they wanted to hire me back for another couple of years. I said, I will I will leave when you split the school. I am not going to stay as a head coach when you split. That's dividing families up and and I'm not going to do that. So I told Trust, I said, I am a high school football coach. I said, I am, you know, I am no Big Ten coach. But Trussell says, you're going to be a Buckeye. And I said, well, I'm still at Pickerington. He says, when you finalize this retirement, when you walk out of there, you call me. Wow. Well, in 2002, I said, this is my last season. They finished the high school. And I said, I'm done. Well, I called Truss and, and he says, come on up. So I left Pickerington, walked out the front door, Pickerington, and went right up to high State. Oh. It was truly amazing. And Coach Trussell was one of the greatest coaches I think I've ever been around. I was very, very blessed there. But that was an unusual situation to happen. And it was a God thing. Speaking at the state clinic was phenomenal. But to be on the staff is unbelievable. And that's what God does all the time. He takes something that is little and he magnifies it to something that you would never, ever believe. What was your favorite perk of being on the Ohio State staff? Pay raise. Pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite perk probably was getting to know Coach Trussell from a personal standpoint, not just as a coach. I remember the first game that we had was a night game against Washington. And my wife has sat through all kinds of games, you know, high school games where the snow is blowing and cold and all this stuff. But sitting in the middle of Ohio State Stadium at a night game, her first ball game was unbelievable. I remember I, we came off the field at halftime and my son was right there by the gate. And he says, Dad, go ahead and finish the ball game. But I just want to tell you, the squad just took mom to the hospital. <gasps> oh, no. This is my first game. So oh, the no. whole second half, you know, I'm on pins and needles. And then after it was over, I, I said, trust, I can't, I can't stay. I, I got to leave. So I went to the hospital and, and Pam had high blood pressure. And she it just got to the point where she almost passed out. And so they rushed her to the hospital. But that perk, probably the perk is that Trussell was just more than a coach. And I just really appreciated it out of Coach Trussell. And still today, we still talk all the time. So Mm -hmm. did you start there then in, I guess, 2003? Would that have been your first season there, Coach? Uh, Yes. Is that with Maurice Claret? That would have been. Oh, yeah. My job was almost like a counselor situation. Coach Trussell wanted me to have an office in which I counseled the kids, not so much coached them. I was in the weight room all the time. You get to know the ball players when they're lifting weights more so than out on the practice field. He says, I want you to be in the weight room. I want you to get to know these kids, not only a physical standpoint, but also a personal standpoint. And he says, I want you to keep track. And he gave me about five kids that were questionable kids. And I had to look after We had Maurice Clorette, but it was a handful trying to chase Maurice around. And so my job was to chase these kids 
and to keep them out of trouble and counsel them and trust assign those types of kids to me. So looking back on 03 with Maurice Claret, that was when he didn't play for high State. He left, tried to go into the NFL, and Correct. just a mess. And so, Correct. gosh, yeah. you need to deal with that. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't yeah. imagine. And, and like you said, coming from a tough background, tough childhood, I wouldn't want that job stuff. Well, it just shows, you know, your environment, that ACT, right? Like who you're associating with, what are your circumstances? He had everything going for him physically with his sports. Everything was going for him. He was such a stud athlete. I still remember the run he had at the Fiesta Bowl. It was just unbelievable. And then to see what happened, it's just, it's, it's honestly heartbreaking. Yeah. But it seems like he did end up turning his life around around. uh, after going to prison for a few years. But with your time at Ohio State, who was one of the athletes, whether it's the weight room or on the practice field coach, where you're like, this kid is different athletically, whether it's Ted Ginn Jr. or Maurice Claret or A.J. Hawk. Like, what was one of the the kids at that level that stood out like, okay, this kid's different? Uh, Roy Hall, without question. Really? Um, Yes, Roy Hall had a very aggressive father, and he came from a very, very tough situation. But Roy Hall and I became very, very close. In fact, he called me dad all the time and later turned into grandfather. But anyway, we became very close, and Roy was a great, great ball player. Roy was about 6'4", and he was 230, 235. And we got him ready for the combine. And uh, I remember he ran back-to-back four three-forties. Um, oh! so That's a wide receiver stuff. Yeah, it's a wide receiver. That. He got drafted seventh round for the Colts. Then he had an injury. Uh, then he went to Detroit and then eventually got lost. But right now, he's in Columbus, and he's working with underprivileged kids. He feeds the homeless. He, I mean, he has got mm. an outreach program. Uh, it's just amazing. He has done an amazing job. So Roy is one of the finest young men that has come out of High State, I think, because of what he's doing for kids. All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good was. book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes and Noble. Yes. And? And our website, KevinSteph.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. So before I get back to the fun facts here, I do want to ask you, what was the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry like as oh. someone on staff? What was that like, Coach? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. We had a countdown clock in the weight room to the next year's Michigan game. 
And every time you walk in the weight room, you look to see what time it is and how long we got to prepare for the next Michigan game. That's how much a rivalry wow. that is. It's a phenomenal rivalry. And I remember the loss that we had at Michigan when Trussell was there. It was quite a loss. and Because um, he only lost once. He only lost once to Michigan in his career. Yes. And it was up there, and we should have won the ball game. I remember going in at halftime. We were down two touchdowns at halftime. And I remember one of the coaches just went nuts in the locker room. And um, I remember this coach throwing the countdown clock, breaking it, and screaming oh, no. and yelling. And it was just, I mean, kicking things around and just putting on a, a temper tantrum, thinking that he could jack up the ball players. Well, trust didn't have a chance to get to make the adjustments. We had to make a couple adjustments, and um, we didn't do that. And I'm, I'm watching this exhibition and noticing when trust started talking to make an adjustments, it was time. The referee says that you know you got three minutes to get on the field. They came oh. in the locker. We just didn't have time to make any adjustments. So I was absolutely beside myself. And Truss and I had a pretty good relationship. So when we got back, I had a meeting with Truss, and I started the conversation with Truss. I said, Truss, if you fire me tonight, that that is okay. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can survive this. But I'm telling you, I have never, ever witnessed that exhibition at halftime. I said, they needed you to talk to them to make the adjustments. We made them, but we didn't make all of them. And we lost that ball game just in the last minute. I said, we could have won that game. And I said, they needed to hear from you. They did not need to hear from us throwing this temper tantrum. I said, you schedule everything during practice by the minute. Everything is scripted. Our coaches don't talk to anybody. They just do practice. You get one shot at it and, and, and you just keep going on through your drills. And then after practice, then this is where you instruct kids. Everything is on film. It's no debate out on the football field. You don't have time for that. It's going to be on film. Yeah. You debate it in the locker room after practice. I said, didn't you have halftime scripted out in case we were behind? I went on for about 20 minutes and he said, he says, <laughs> thank you. He says, I needed that. So really? I, I, guess, I guess I wasn't fired. We were in the Fiesta Bowl at the end of that season, and the score was tied, I think, at halftime against Kansas. And um, the same coach started to get all upset because we were tired. And then Trussell walks out, and he says, wait a minute. He says, here's what we need to do. And he set the coach off to the side, and um, he went through all these adjustments. Now, I'm standing at the hallway as we're entering the field. And Trussell walks by me and he says, how's that coach? (laughs) That's great. We went out there and just ripped Kansas the second half. So I remember that. I too. That's awesome. Was it Kansas or Kansas State? Kansas State. Yes. Okay. I thought it was Kansas State. Oh, that is fantastic. Well, Steph, two more fun facts. Okay. Fun facts. For coach. All right. So after... There's three seasons. He returned to education in 2004 as Harvest Prep's Dean of Students and Head Coach for eight seasons. In 2006, he was inducted into the Ohio High School Football Coaches Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 
He's also been enshrined in the Fairfield County Hall of Fame, which is where I grew up. Yes, it is. West Virginia Westland Hall of Fame, Liberty Union High School Hall of Fame. Wow. And had the football stadium at World Harvest Preparatory School named after him. Oh, coach, the impact you made at all of these places. That's just amazing. That is fantastic. So did you have the same speech uh, for each each one of these Hall of Fame presentations, Coach? No. I, I don't even remember what he talked about. I, I have been very, very blessed to be around a lot of great people. And uh, we got to be careful when we start blowing our own horn and and then when you have some success, they give you awards that it's not so much about you. It's about the people that's around you that allowed you to be good. It's like a running back. Mm-hmm. you know. That it's just very few running backs are good on their own without 10 other guys blocking for them. So I take these awards not for me. It's for everybody with me that allowed these things to happen. So just got to be careful with all this stuff. And I have found out that God is in true control of our life. And this life of ours is nothing more than a practice session to get ready for the next life. And and it's amazing his timing to get us where he needs us to be to finish this race and to get prepared for the next race. So that is fantastic, Coach. Well, listeners, for more information about Coach, you can go nowhere. (laughs) He is the first guest where I have no information to provide you. He's retired. That's what he wants. Wants to be left alone. Leave him alone, people. He's posted three times on social media on Facebook. (laughs) So good luck with your Google search of Jack Johnson. But Coach, I am so blessed one, Coach Blackstone gave us your contact information. And two, you said yes. that you were willing to say yes, yes, not knowing us. I guess you just you just thought I sounded nice on the phone, I guess, when, when I called. <laughs> but thank you. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate new friends, especially friends that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you very, very much. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends. 